Deadpool 3 gets bumped from its release slot, Kingsman director gets tapped by DC, and Taylor Swift remains bejeweled at the box office. All that and more coming up on Multiverse News. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Multiverse News, your one-stop shop for information about all your favorite fictional universes. My name is Matthew Carroll, and on the panel with me today, we have Haley Hobbs from Source Pages. What's going on, Haley Hobbs? Oh, not much. It's just Tuesday, so I'm hanging out with my fine friends on Multiverse News. It's always wonderful to have a, another Tuesday. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jay Sisson uh, from Commute the Podcast. What's going on, Jay? Well, not a whole lot. Just uh, regular, regularly scheduled programming here. I got the band together. Yeah, we're Woo. feeling good. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Jay Scotty St. Clair from Animation Deliberation. What is happening, Jay Scotty? Yeah, just living it up over here. Multiverse on a Tuesday. <laughs> 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 All right. That got weird. <laughs> Immediate regrets. <laughs> No regrets whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we get started tonight, uh, Jay, you were going to tell us about the contest. It's the final week of our contest to win yeah. the Loki Steelbook. Time is ticking if you want to get your hands on one of those Loki Steelbooks. So we have three, and we're going to give out all three across three different categories. So the first thing that you can do to earn one is you can go over to your social media page, and you can share something about multiverse news and you can tag us so that can be on instagram uh, that can be on twitter uh or x or whatever we're calling it now uh but if you share us uh you tag us you say hey we, i really like this show maybe throw a link in there something like that that will enter you in to get one of those steelbooks uh now make sure with all of these you screenshot your review you send it in to multiverse newscast at gmail.com so we can log your entry but remember you uh you can do that on instagram that's one entry you can do it again on twitter that's another entry so uh the more you do it the more entries you'll have. So that's the first way is the social media steelbook. Then we've got another one that we're handing out for people who drop reviews. So if you go over to Apple uh, iTunes reviews and you write a five-star review uh, about the show, tell everybody why you like it. Same thing. Take a screenshot, send it in multiversenewscast at gmail.com. That's an entry. You can also do five stars on Spotify. That's another entry. So if you double up there that's two more entries uh, to get in so same thing just make sure you screenshot and send it in and then the last way and this is the one that probably helps our show grow the most if you're interested in helping us uh, is you can go to patreon.com slash multiverse newscast you can join the patreon and that'll get you entered in and since we are just started the patreon we don't have a ton of members 
Uh, and so that's probably the one where you're going to have the most likelihood of winning one. Just throwing mm-hmm. that out there. You join the Patreon, you got a pretty good percentage chance of winning that steelbook. So you do any of those three. If you do all three, you're entered into all three pools and uh, do as many as, as uh, you want to. But remember that this contest does end next week. It ends on Oct- uh, at the end of October. So you got to get them in this week if you want to be into that contest. Yes, yes, yes. So... Please, please do that. Thank you, Jay, for that explanation. Just just one question. Oh, yes, please. Are you feeling Loki? Well, <laughs> punk, <laughs> do you? I thought you were going to ask, can I win the steelbook? And the answer is no, you cannot. <laughs> <laughs> it's those kind of puns that you turn to Multiverse News for. You, you, you get your dose of news and your dose of puns. <laughs> so go join that Patreon, everybody. It's, it's worth it. <laughs> Brightens your life with puns. All right, let's turn to the news. Our first story tonight, everyone's favorite Merc with the Mouse third movie. Did I say mouse? It sounded like I said <laughs> it mouse. It sounded like mouse. mouse. <laughs> he is with Disney now. I mean, it is. Yeah. Everybody's, everybody's Merc with the Mouse. I like it. Um, can someone make that meme, please? <laughs> Scotty. Everyone's favorite Merc with a Mouse third movie starring Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman is potentially being moved from its assigned release date. While Disney normally likes to try to stick to its release schedule, Deadpool 3 is only half finished and there isn't confidence, even if the actor strike ends soon, that production could be brought back together in time to make the deadline. Fans of the MCU may get a reprieve instead of a drought, however, as it is rumored that Captain America Brave New World could take Deadpool's May 2024 spot. Do we think we'll see Wade Wilson come July or November, possibly? Yeah, this is kind of not surprising. I mean, with how long the writer's strike went on and then the actor's strike went on, Deadpool was one of the first movies that was shut down whenever the writer's strike happened. And it's been halted ever since. The actors' strike, uh, although the Actors' uh, Guild did meet with studios today, that did not end the actors' strike. We're still, at best, probably a few weeks away from that being over. So in my mind, you're probably not starting production, even if that happens, and that's like your best-case scenario. You're probably not starting production on this movie or any movie until at least January uh, with the holiday season and all of that. So the idea of finishing up the movie, doing the VFX, doing all of that, cramming it into January, to May is just not really realistic. Uh, so I think it will move for sure. The The question is, where is it going to move? Um, you know, you mentioned Captain America. Um, the I always forget what they've changed it to. It's gone through Brave like New World. five title changes. <laughs> Brave New World. Uh, it's um, It could move up theoretically, uh, but it's facing a similar problem. It, it is done filming from what I understand, but it clearly has a lot of VFX work that needs done. So nobody wants to see a bad VFX Captain America. <laughs> like, yeah. definitely not. Uh, but that's that's a possibility of taking that spot because Disney is not going to give up that spot. Like that is the first weekend of summer. You have to release a movie in that spot. Disney has done that for years and it's traditionally always been a Marvel movie, but I just don't know if they have one in the can uh, that could actually go there. Other possibilities could be Snow White. You could kick that one up. Um, We haven't heard much about it, but I think it was sort of to the tail end of filming as well. Um, The Mufasa, like Lion King prequel that's in July that could kick up to May. 
but uh, something will take that spot. Now, as for Deadpool, I, I kind of think it would work in December. Uh, that was the No Way Home release date, and No Way Home did really, really well in that spot, and Deadpool probably has a little bit of common DNA with that Spider-Man No Way Home and all the multiverse stuff and all of that. So uh, I like it there. I mean, it's it's months away from May, and I know that that's disappointing, but I think, yeah, it's inevitable that, that we're not mm. probably not going to see a Marvel movie in May. Uh, I, I would be surprised if Captain America um, made that jump just with all of the rush to get back to production. Um, right now, Thunderbolts is supposed to come out in December, but that is not happening. That movie is still being rewritten. Uh, that just changed writers like a month or two ago. It hasn't even thought about filming yet. So zero mm. chance Thunderbolts comes out in December. Um, so we'll see. I wonder if Deadpool moving and the possibility, at least, of Brave New World taking its spot has something to do with the fact that, like, it seems that Deadpool, because it's coming from outside the MCU and it's all the Fox actors, a lot of legacy actors are supposed to supposedly in it. Um, I mean, if nothing else, just Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman, huge actors. It feels like a <laughs> huge actor. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <clears throat> it just feels like most of the people that are going to be in Brave New World, Brave New World's the biggest thing they got going on, if that makes sense. Um, whereas, like... It just feels like Deadpool 3 may be the biggest movie those guys have going on, but it's they're still like – it just feels like Deadpool 3, coming from where it's coming from, the directors, the actors, the writers, it all feels like it's sort of outside the Marvel system. And I wonder if it'll be easier for them, like if this writer strike ends tomorrow, for them to be like, okay, you guys that work for Marvel, get back to work right now. And it'll be a little harder to make like, okay, Ryan Reynolds, Hugh Jackman – Taylor Swift, whoever we're going to have in this movie, we got to work out all these schedules and stuff, all these big cameos that we wanted to film. We've got to rework out all that. And I'm wondering if that's just a little bit of a reason it might be easier to get Brave New World in rather than Deadpool 3. Yeah. I would kind of love a post credit scene where Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool comes in and is like, hey, don't forget about my movie. It's part of this now and we're it's coming out in December or something like that would be a super funny way for them to... Mm like break that news and it would make the post-credit scenes feel like they're supposed to <laughs> yeah the second post-credit scenes have, have not been great yeah. uh, for a while like you could definitely get a lot of hype going with something like that with a second post-credit scene for sure knowing that we're not getting a marvel movie sooner rather than later is always disappointing but it's a much easier pill for me to swallow when it's like this early in production like we never got a trailer so um, delays mm. like that, I think it's it's the right move, and it makes a lot of sense. Like everything that's been brought up, the fact that this production like halted halfway through, I, I would just hate for them to be like rushed and pressed and feel the pressure to try and like you know push something out rather than be a quality product. Because much to your point already, like Deadpool already does kind of exist outside of the MCU, but while he may not be the quote unquote linchpin in terms of like being a serious character, I do think this is going to be like a very pivotal and much anticipated entry, even compared to something like Captain America, Brave New World. Like I'm super excited for Captain America, Brave New World, but that film has the challenge of like coming off of, uh, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which the reception to in hindsight has been a little more mixed where I feel like Deadpool is just coming off, 
off of uh, win after win after win, especially with the inclusion of somebody like Hugh Jackman. But Jay, I, I really liked what you brought up about the December release because that was kind of my question too. If not the summer, like when is this thing going to come out? And I kind of had a tough time rectifying in my mind, like viewing Deadpool as a as a holiday character. But I think the point you brought up about, you know, No Way Home and looking at similar movies like uh, The Force Awakens was able to, you know, break all those records in a, in a similar time um, release slot there. So I think that is kind of the move and hopefully – the actor strike will, you know, get resolved so that productions can move on forward. Because if, if there's going to be any good that comes out of, out of it at this point, it's that, uh, it's, it's a day's thing. Now, every day that this strike keeps going on, it's having such a profound effect on the, on the future release schedule. And, you know, just coming off of the, uh, the pandemic, like it really felt like the box office for the first time was starting to experience this resurgence and now it's like, I don't know how the theater chains are really going to survive. Like if, if the whole summer schedule, especially like the early summer schedule gets canned again or delayed, like, I, I don't know what the landscape of like, you know, the movie going experience is going to look like in the coming years, but it, it kind of frightens me a little bit. Taylor Swift concert film part four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Behind the scenes. Y'all want to see yeah. the Eras tour again? <laughs> <laughs> the other thing we haven't heard a lot about since the vote happened is the VFX unions or the VFX mm. houses deciding to unionize or however True. that's working. Yeah. And we haven't heard boo about that really. And so maybe the actor strike is going to be over soon, but we have another potential strike looming a little mm. bit, mm-hmm. um, not knowing at all where they're at with any of that discussion. If they did try to strike now, it'd be like super deliberately putting pain to the studios. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, <laughs> You know, being a new union, I mean, they, I'm sure they have things they want to fight for, for sure. And maybe they can do that through negotiations instead of striking. But yeah, it, it, to threaten a strike right now even would be like so hard uh, on, the, on the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but again, it, they've, they've had a lot of time to work on a lot of the special effects, especially the Marvel works where they do a lot in previs. They've had time to be working on a lot of these special effects have probably still continued work in this time. Whereas mm-hmm. once the actors get in, maybe they've... Maybe maybe they can kind of kind of catch up with the actors' part and then bring them back and do more of the VFX later. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, it's not even just them. The people who work on the sets, like that, do ele- like uh, the electricity, the microphones, the set design, the construction, the carpentry, all that stuff. They have a union, <laughs> and mm-hmm. they are not happy because they have not worked for months yeah. now, and they have lost a ton of money. Because they're essentially seasonal employees. They get hired for a movie, they work for the movie, and then their contract's over. Well, they haven't had any contracts. Uh, And so that group is not happy, and they could strike too. Um, So hopefully the fact that these writers and actors strikes went on so long, um, hopefully that's a sign that like we can hopefully be more preventative rather than reactive Mm -hmm. like on a studio level to these types of things. Yeah, indeed. In a recent appearance on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast, director Matthew Vaughn, who has helmed franchises such as Kick-Ass and The Kingsman, mentioned that he has had some discussions about potentially being involved in a DC project in the future, saying, quote, Never say never. At the moment, I'm enjoying creating my own things. The franchise is in the best hands, so let's see what happens. If Vaughn joins the DCU, he'll be among other hand-picked directors, James Mangold and Andy Machete. Is Vaughn's directing the flavor of DC everyone is looking for? 
Yeah, how's this for a diplomatic answer? He did <laughs> everything right here. He's non-committal. He's complimentary, complimentary to the current creatives involved, and also you know promotes the stuff that he's working on right now. So you know, good on you for for such a, a, a good answer there, Matthew Vaughn. But in terms of his flavor and the DCU or the DCU rather, uh, Matthew Vaughn is one of those directors like. I've wanted him to tackle so many different characters. I think his sensibilities and his style could work for so many characters. I mean, you look at what he did with X-Men First Class. You look at what he's done with Kick-Ass, the Kingsman films. He's got this uh, very unique kind of punchy, snappy style and way of delivering action that I think, you know, service so many characters. Uh, When I was thinking about, okay, what characters down the road could he potentially tackle? And, you know, the, the big names came to the front of mind, Batman, but that's already being handled by multiple directors right now. S- Superman, but James Gunn has already laid claim to that. And then my mind kind of gravitated to Blue Beetle, and it's like, yes, we just saw Blue Beetle, but what if we saw, like, you know, a previous iteration of Blue Beetle, like Ted Cord? Like, I think that more, like, technology, physically-based kind of hero really lends itself to the kind of action that Matthew Vaughn likes to depict. And then I took it a step further. I was like, okay, if we're already playing in the world of Blue Beetle, who's Blue Beetle's best friend? Booster Gold. We know they want to do a Booster Gold movie, and Booster Gold is one of those characters that is also incredibly funny and meta. So I I do think uh, Matthew Vaughn's penchant for action combined with comedy lends itself really well to a character like Blue Beetle. But um, again, he hasn't committed to anything. I'm excited to see Argyle and see how that pans out and see the future of both of the franchises he's already mentioned, Kick-Ass and The Kingsman. But if he wants to play in the DC universe, I think he would be a welcome addition. If he wants to go back to the MCU, he's a welcome addition there. Whatever Matthew Vaughn wants to do, I'm in full support of. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I just want to play this game of what what she direct. Uh, <laughs> I really like the idea. Uh, I really like those ideas. Booster Gold, of course. Uh, we need a good someone who has good comedy chops and like can handle that. I, I feel like uh, though he really likes doing sort of ground level heroes that don't have yeah. powers. So I was thinking like like a Gotham Knights type thing where okay. like, like all those like the all the Robins and also he's really good at like people who are like kind of screw the. Uh, the power structures and like he really likes to play sort of rebellious characters sure. so like a Nightwing or something okay. you know like he like like you see all the rogues gallery sort of like the bigger battles happening in the background and Nightwing's trying to like so, uh, you know make himself known in Bloodhaven or whatever I don't know like whatever like I could totally sure. see like something like that the lower level Gotham heroes Batgirl that's what I was thinking Robin. oh yeah like, I thought Red Hood oh, oh I like that too that's yeah. good now, this wasn't the only thing he said on this podcast that made headlines. He also, they asked him about Star Wars, like, would you ever direct Star Wars? And he went on this big rant about how he feels like, he's like, well, Star Wars, the, where they got this wrong is that they keep trying to branch off of the universe that they've already made. And he said that he has an idea to reboot Star Wars. So he's like, new oh, no. Luke, new Leia, <laughs> new Han, like, just tackle it head on and just do the original trilogy again as a reboot. And then he came out later and was like, oh, that's not what I meant. I know it said it, but like, I didn't mean it, okay. you know, because Everybody was like, don't you you get your hands off of our Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. My statement about fully supporting whatever Matthew done Matthew Vaughn does has been recanted, but he did that for me. <laughs> and then he recanted his own statement. Yeah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> no, definitely not. No, no, that's I, that would just be so especially as much work as they've done, 
to like establish that they're not doing that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the, right. the clone wars and like the cartoons that are built up around the fact that that's all still happening. All those original trilogy are still in place. And now Ahsoka and all this stuff they're building so close to it. And in that time period, it's like, no, they're not going to do that. It's just not like no one thinks that's happening. That's yeah. Let's get uh, a, yeah. let's get Timothy Chalamet in here as Luke or whatever. And reboot yeah. this thing. Oh my God. Jay. <laughs> you say all these, incendiary things <laughs> and we well, wonder <laughs> I actually want to see that now so you can get the scene aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper yeah, yes I am I, I am in fact <laughs> it's pretty good no it's, it's really good. like they open a door and he's like what I'm making chocolate of course we'll get we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll get, we'll get Jenna, or, Jenna Ortega in here as Princess Leia you know let's uh-huh. do that. <laughs> yep oh god I hate it <laughs> <laughs> I'll get together uh, a full a full reboot cast and reveal it uh, you know some other what time. Sucks. Whatever, I'm believe me, go. it's already our poll this week. Or it's already our poll. Oh, nice. Your favorite casting for the, for Star Wars? Go to Spotify. I'm or... really trying to nail Han Solo. Like I'm trying to like like I've got a few ideas, Ooh. but I really need to get like the best one. So I'm not ready to Chewbacca? reveal it yet. Jason Mantazukas. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I don't like, know why. I'm gonna leave. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I feel bad that Timothy Chalamet, like, we dog on him all the time. And it's just because of that stupid Wonka trailer. Because <laughs> I'm like, Timothy Chalamet is a really good actor. He's in Dune, for God's sake. But what is he doing with that damn Wonka trailer? Oh, hey, Who knows? Maybe it'll be hey, amazing. Man's, the man's got to eat. Yeah. I've been fooled before. <laughs> Trailers can be terrible and the shows are pretty good. Uh, or the movies are pretty good. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right, up next, love her or hate her, and all of us here love her, just so you know, <laughs> Swifties, the power is undeniable. Taylor Swift's Eras Tour concert film took the number one spot at the box office again this weekend, adding $32 million to its total domestically. Killers of the Flower Moon opened at second place with $23 million domestically and $44 million worldwide. As has been the trend this year, the two films could not be further apart from each other thematically. What are these numbers telling us about theatergoers? Well, they don't necessarily tell us anything about the same theatergoers, but it will be interesting to watch these numbers. So Taylor's concert movie is only in theaters on the weekends. Right. She's making all this money in three days a week, which is... <laughs> oh, wow. Insane. So, like Monday through Thursday, it doesn't play in theaters. Um, wow. So that's just insane on its own level. Um, but it'll be kind of interesting to see how this three and a half hour long epic that Martin Scorsese put out about Killers of the Flower Moon does. Like, will it catch up even in the week? Like, will it make in a week what Taylor Swift makes in three days? I don't know. It's going to be yeah. super interesting. But yeah, there's a uh, the th- article that we we pulled this from so that adults are going back to the theater. And I thought that was a really interesting way to spin the fact that there's a very serious, like um, not biographical pick, but um, movie based on real events in the world. And then there's, Taylor Swift's concert film. <laughs> that is so insulting to Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer just made like five hundred right. million dollars. It was an interesting headline choice. You know, like <laughs> it's a terrible. It doesn't really make any sense. And besides, we know our own Jay Sisson went and saw Paw Patrol. So I did. Yeah. I could be going yeah, to see other Paw things. Patrol. Deadline. 
it was delightful. <laughs> and I only sat there for an hour and a half, you know, I didn't have to sit there for three and a half hours. No, I will go see Killers of the Flower Moon. I just, you know, need an entire afternoon. So just haven't, you haven't do. made that happen yet. <laughs> and yeah. then you need an hour just to sit there when you're done <laughs> and be sad. <laughs> oh, man. Spoilers. Well, I know a couple of us on yeah. the panel have seen Killers of the Flower Moon, have That's witnessed right. this three-and-a-half-hour epic. So um, if you'd like to hear our thoughts on that, on the feed here, Multiverse Reviews, the second edition, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon is available now. And uh, in terms of this box office performance, I'm not going to take anything away from Taylor Swift. I, you know, it's, it's a phenomenon, as, as she deserves here. But Killers of the Flower Moon is the more interesting story to me, just because when I, I read this article from Hollywood Reporter breaking down the box office, I was really surprised as I was going down. They kept saying, like, Killers of the Flower Moon was a successful weekend. And I was like, $22 million on a $200 million budget, and it's a three-and-a-half-hour mm-hmm. movie. It's rated R. It's a period piece. Like, none of that sounds like it's a good start. But uh, the article was pretty interesting because I guess Apple, with this being one of their really first like forays in the the wide release theatrical experience, they've done a lot of their previous films, including Oscar winners like Coda in limited release. But this is a kind of a first for them. And they they view this as like just a marketing expense. Mm -hmm. So like this movie could not make any money whatsoever. And it just does not impact them at all because Mm -hmm. entertainment is such a small slice of their empire that includes, you know, iPads and computers and and all of that stuff. So I just thought that was pretty interesting. And, um, you know, having uh, experienced Killers of the Flower Moon myself and having anticipated as much as I did and having thoroughly enjoyed it, but maybe being slightly underwhelmed, that's a little minor spoiler for the review that we did. Um, it has been interesting to see the conversations around it and how it, it's actually been a little more divisive um, than than anticipated. Cinema score gave it an A minus, which is pretty solid, um, especially yeah. for a three and a half hour movie. Like that's just going to ding it. Um, and to have it A minus, that means that it's going to probably have a pretty solid run at the box office. Like it's going to drop sure. off for sure in its second weekend, um, like no yeah. question. But it it won't drastically drop off to the point where you're like, oh gosh, you know, um, it should have mostly solid run. Yeah, it's not the kind of movie where you have to be a part of the internet conversation about it. You know, it's not a part of a franchise. It's like, what sure. I'm saying. like you're not going home to watch a new rock stars video, or I mean a stranded Panda video about <laughs> uh, like their reaction to it or whatever. I mean, you should be, you should be watching the, listening to the one in the feed, but like, yeah. you're not, it's not, it's not like the, it's not that kind of a movie. You know what I mean? Here's 10 Easter eggs you missed in Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to get spoiled by a meme sure. like floating by you on Facebook. Like, yeah. like the shocking moment in Killers of the Flower Moon. Like, that's just not going to happen. The Osage Nation is actually named after the Osage people. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Watch Mojo. I couldn't figure that one out myself. You're telling me Scorsese didn't drop a post-credit scene in there or something? You know, it's in the future. I can't believe uh, he, he would. I can't believe he I wouldn't do that. I saw an article that. that said, is there a post-credit scene in Killers of the Flower Moon? And I'm not lying. And I clicked on it because I was like, I don't know. Is there? <laughs> every movie has that now. Because uh, I, start, I yeah. search it every time I get yeah. to the end of the trailers. Yeah. Or if, it, unless I'm pretty sure there will be one, I just stay. But almost every movie I search just to see, like, is there? Oh. Yep, there's this. There's like websites dedicated to just is there a post credit sequence or not? Like, yeah, it's a whole industry. Uh, Matt, I wasn't trying to spoil earlier when I said you have to sit there for an hour. It's because you can't get up because you've been sitting there for three and a half hours. 
Oh, oh, gotcha. I thought you were saying it was sad. So you said something about uh, it sad. It is sad. I was trying I know it's going to be heavy. I just don't know how it ends. So I was just teasing. Also, because it's, I'm teasing partially because it's real life. And I, if I really wanted to know the ending, I could go I find know, out. I was trying to pretend and it didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, gotcha. No, no. I heard what you said. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Up next, last week during the season seven premiere of Rick and Morty, voice actors Ian Cardoni and Harry Belden were revealed as the new voices of the characters Rick and Morty, respectively. The search for voice actors to replace Justin Roiland spanned six months and included thousands of candidates. Currently, both actors cannot do interviews due to the ongoing actress strike. Uh, the reputation of Royland certainly seems to precede him now. What are hardcore fans saying about the new actors? Yeah, it seems like the people who watch this show, to me, I haven't seen a lot of negativity around the new voice actors. There was a lot of negativity around the recasting of Royland and Solar Opposites. We've talked about that before. And I think a lot of that was because the voice was just in such an opposite direction. They completely changed the voice of the character. And I think a lot of people were just really put off by that. The Rick and Morty actors, um, what I thought was interesting is that they did not announce who these people were until the episode itself aired. So no one had any idea uh, who was going to be voicing these characters. But I've watched both episodes that have premiered so far of Rick and Morty. I, I mean, I'm going to be honest, I, I couldn't really tell a difference. Um, I, I never sat there and thought, oh, that does not sound like either character. I was I was put right into it, um, even in the parts where I felt like I would notice it. It wasn't enough to take me out of it. Now, the first two have been extremely Rick-heavy. Uh, like, Morty has only played very, very small. Like, he's only had a couple minutes of screen time in each of the two episodes. So there's been a lot of Rick. Um, but to me, I haven't noticed too much of a difference. Now, I think people are a little divided because I think people were just fans of Justin Roiland in general. Um, and I think yeah. that that has contributed a lot to people just kind of feeling a certain way about it. Um, but at, at least at this point, I think it'll be interesting once the actor's strike is over to hear from these actual voice actors themselves. Uh, the article that this comes from is an interview with Dan Harmon, where he talks a lot about how they decided to do this and literally like went through thousands and thousands of auditions to try to figure out how they were going to approach this. But um, I don't know, at least from my end, what I've seen so far, like I, I think I think they got it right. To me, I, I don't see too much that's taking the show in a totally different direction or making me feel like, man, this doesn't sound like these characters or they sound like different characters personally. I have not seen the episodes yet, but I watched just some like uh, super cuts of like, here's the old actor, here's the new actor. And to me, I really can't tell. When I heard the trailer, I was kind of like, oh, that Morty's a little, I don't know. Um, but after seeing them back to back, like I, I think – it's it's kind of like that slide that happens with animation all the time when they change voice actors. Like you listen to Homer in season one versus Homer now. Like the voices, even when it's the same voice actor, they change over time. And right. um, I think it'll be fine. But the thing that worries me more is like Royland as a creative because he's very very like a lot of that stuff. He he would improvise all the lot on that show. And there's a lot of things that his weird brain comes up with that I think that like will be hard to replace. Um, in any voice actor, anyone with the same voice is not going to have the exact same creative chops. So it's like, you know, it's going to be a different show. Not that it necessarily be worse, but it's going to be a little different. 
Yeah, he did a lot of the side characters too. Like if you mm-hmm. look at like I mean he did almost every side character. Yeah. And so in the first episode, I'm not going to spoil anything, but in the first episode, you see a lot of these side characters come back. Oh, interesting. And um I I I'm not, off the top of my head, I'm not sure which ones were Royland and which ones weren't, but you could definitely tell that a few of them sounded a little bit different. So there's there's a character. This is literally his name is Mr. Poopy Butthole, and mm-hmm. uh, he <laughs> he was voiced by Royland, and uh, he he does sound a little different. Like and and you could tell the person doing the voice is trying to do the voice, mm-hmm. but like Royland had just a style that's just really hard to emulate, and like it's just unless it's him doing it, you can't. So there were times in that episode where I was kind of like. Yeah, I could kind of see it a little bit, but it still wasn't enough to make me go like, I, I don't like this, you know? Mm-hmm. It makes me think Wired uh, has their YouTube channel and they do these segments where they'll have, you know, like celebrities come on and, and do a little segment with them. And they had Justin Roiland on before all his controversies had. And it was like Justin Roiland ranks people doing his character's voices. And in a way, like in retrospect, it's almost like he was interviewing potential people that would be taking um, his voices. And he was pretty thoughtful with it. He was like, you know, actually like pretty thorough with his breakdown of like, Oh, they're doing this really well, but they're losing it here. So Mm -hmm. on and so forth. So uh, I myself have not seen the episodes with the new voices either. I I like Rick and Morty. I like uh, solar opposites, but Rick and Morty, like being in its seventh season. Now the show had kind of started to wane to where it's, uh, I like the show. I I look forward to checking the show out, but I'm not going to binge the show just to to check out these new voices. Uh, but I, I do think it's really interesting just the, the situation that we find ourselves in because with these two actors like Harry Belden and Ian Cardoni, like what an opportunity to like, you know, get to like step in and, and voice these iconic characters. But it's at such an interesting time because they can't do any interviews because of the actor strike. And normally that, that, you know, that wouldn't impact animation as much, but Rick and Morty is one of those shows that it does uh, impact animation and the performances that go alongside animation. So uh, I, I thought it was interesting too, just reading the, uh, the interview that was with Dan Harmon, but also the new showrunner Scott's martyr, I believe his name is. And it was uh, just interesting to hear how they, they talk about going through thousands and thousands and thousands of choices. And they kind of found uh, Ian Cardoni, the choice for Rick, they found him fairly early on in the process where with Morty, Harry Belden, they, it was really not until like the final hour that they, that they kind mm. of found him. And the only reason they found him is because they were so exhaustive. Um, so, you know, all that being said, it's, it's, it really is just an, such an interesting thing to be like taking on this role, like standing in the shadow uh, that looms so large as, as Justin Roiland's shadow. But Dan Harmon and Scott's martyr both seem to be like on the same page that Justin Roiland's exit, like Matt, to your point, like he was, you know, his improvisation factored in heavily into these vocal performances. But according to Dan Harmon and Scott's martyr, uh, his, him leaving is not going to have that much of a, an impact creatively in terms of the the writing. And they actually seemed like they were excited for new fresh blood to be coming in and in t- attacking these roles and they, they sounded encouraged that this might actually give the show more longevity and, and, you know, kind of, uh, renewed energy. So hmm. they have to say that, I guess so. <laughs> it's, 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 it's fair so, point. They do. <laughs> but no, no, I, I really hope so. I really hope so. I just, as much as I have all the hope for that show and I love that show, I am like, I'm nervous about Roiland's absence, uh, yeah. having an effect for what it's worth. I did like these first two episodes. There's kind of like the newer Rick and Morty and the older Rick and Morty. They're definitely more like newer Rick and Morty. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, mm-hmm. like they kind of have that vibe. Um, but I, I liked them. I mean, I, I I enjoyed them, and I'm excited to see more. 
for what it's worth. Okay, cool. How did they compare to Solar Opposites? <laughs> um, it's about, but it's very similar, like in okay. how, yeah, in like continuing from the last season and then into this season and that sort of similar sort of feel. Um, okay. Like there, there's that kind of common DNA there of like continuing the the general feel of one season into the another. Um, you know, if you liked the last season of Rick and Morty, like I think this season definitely connects uh, to that um, okay. in a way. So, so yeah, I, th- I think the, the future hopefully is, is pretty bright here for that, for that show. Sweet. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this ad with, uh, with our Spotify poll for the week and our lightning round right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Welcome back to Multiverse News, and we're uh, we're turning to our Spotify poll. See what you guys had to say last week. Uh, our Spotify poll was which of last week's uh, trailers is most exciting to you, and the options were Walking Dead, spinoff, uh, The Monarch, Leg- Legacy of Monsters, Scott Pilgrim, Dragon Ball, Daima, and The Curse. Um, and we have a, a a pretty pretty good lead here for Monarch. Legacy of Monsters with Scott Pilgrim right behind it. What do you guys think? Monarch got 34% and Scott Pilgrim got 30%. Yeah, I was kind of gauging this poll throughout the week. And I I have to say Scott Pilgrim had it the majority of the week, but Mm. Monarch Legacy of Monsters snuck in in the the final hour there and and took it. But um, yeah, I I think the people got it right. Um, Their sentiments kind of echo my own. I did vote for Scott Pilgrim, but I think, uh, you know, I, I could have easily seen myself voting for Monarch Legacy of Monsters. The curse holds a special place in my heart, but the the Same. rest of this kind of shakes out the way I expect it to. Uh, we were all we all seemed kind of like you know disappointed by The Walking Dead. So for it to only come in at nine percent uh, shows that we weren't alone in that in that mm-hmm. estimation. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that Mon- I'm I'm surprised by Monarch Legacy of Monsters that it's the most exciting to everybody because I I uh, I like that series and I guess I shouldn't yeah. be too surprised. Uh, we, you know, we do Bingers Assemble where we uh, cover an entire series of, of movies and um, that is our highest like download numbers of any other Bingers Assemble series like the Kong versus Godzilla. We did the whole like I think uh, two Godzilla movies and a Kong movie before the Kong versus Godzilla, I think is how it goes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we got nothing but uh, our highest downloads ever. So I guess it, it has it has a fan base out there. So I dig it. Uh, now we're going to get into our lightning round. You guys know how this works. I'm going to say a story and everybody gets to buzz in with their name if they would like to claim it. And then one person gets to respond to that story. And 
you know, I will allow <laughs> one <laughs> response uh, throughout the entire lightning round. Uh, you just have to uh, claim your resp- whatever uh, story you'd like to respond to. Uh, <laughs> So, up first, we have Amazon has ordered a second season of Gen V, the college-set spinoff of The Boys. The renewal comes a couple weeks ahead of the show's first season finale, which is set to debut November 3rd. Matt, I'm doing it. Uh, I had just caught up today, and I have been trying to catch up since it started, but I've been so busy. I've been, like, watching one episode, and then by the time I see it again, two more are out. I'm like, what is happening? Uh, but I finally <laughs> caught up today. I really like the show. It's much better than I expected. Uh, earlier in the show, I mentioned that sometimes trailers are terrible, but the shows are better. This is the show I was thinking about. I really like the show. <laughs> I think it actually has um, – uh, it, it is very close to the boys for me. Like, I, I think the – the acting talent isn't on the level of the boys and some of the subtext isn't on the level of the boys, but like it's, it's a really well done show. Well-written lots of exciting characters. Um, and I'm really excited to see a second season. So I'm glad they're making it. And November 3rd is so soon. Um, I'm surprised they can say that with not knowing if the writers or the actor strike is going to end. I'm surprised they gave us a date. Oh no, I'm sorry. This is for this for the finale. Yeah, I, I thought you were yeah. saying, like, you were like, oh, the season's going to be over so soon. Like, I thought we were just in the middle of the story here. <laughs> <laughs> no, my bad. I, I, I misheard what I read. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, <laughs> the rumor is, by the way, that Gen V, the finale, will directly connect to the next season of The Boys. Like, it will directly uh, Like, it'll almost serve as episode, episode one of the next season. Like, it'll be that close. Pulling a book of Boba Fett. Yeah. There's also some rumors out there that this next season of The Boys will be the last season. So there, there, is, mm. there are some rumors out there floating that they're setting up their final season. I mean, that, none of that's been confirmed, but that is out there. Mm-hmm. It would make a lot of sense, based on what's happening on Gen V, that they would uh, be able to tie in pretty well. Like, some of the stuff happening on the show, it seems like it could easily transition onto The, the Boys. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a good show. I, I recommend it. I, I want to talk about it on Pandavision or something, but we haven't just haven't gotten it together because I just caught up. Um, <laughs> up next, SAG-AFTRA and AMPTP came back to the negotiating table today, a good sign for progress on resolving the actor strike after the sides broke off talks after last meeting. Over the weekend, the strike officially hit the 100-day mark. Jay, uh, the stars are out to try to end the actor strike. Uh, Clooney uh, is sort of the face of this, but uh, all of these like A-list actors have come out and did this big Zoom call with the studios to try to come to get the sides back together. And uh, Clooney came up with this plan to like basically pay off the difference between the two in the negotiations, which is not legal and doesn't really work and has no <laughs> real water to it. But still, there's been a lot of like a uh, conversation at least. And I think a lot of uh, these act actors and uh, I think there was like, uh, you know, Scarlett Johansson and like all the, I mean, all, all these like big name Hollywood talent were coming out and being like, what do we got to do? Like, let's get back to the table. So uh, they did meet today, uh, Tuesday. So when you're listening to this, they met yesterday and, I think that is a good sign for sure. Um, we're probably still a couple weeks away from an official end, but I think we're, we're definitely getting closer. Sweet. 
Netflix has unveiled new first-look images from the live-action Avatar The Last Airbender. The gallery of new images includes looks at the upcoming show's main characters. Scotty. Yeah, so I know uh, the kind of reason to pay attention to this one is that uh, a number of the characters that were revealed for the very first time were members of the Fire Nation and in the world of Avatar The Last Airbender, the Fire Nation are like the resident badasses. So a lot of people are pretty endeared to these characters. And like I know Prince Zuko and the journey that he goes on is like a lot of people's favorite part of the show. But um, in terms of the performers portraying these characters, the only name I recognize at all is Daniel Day Kim as the the Fire Lord, the overarching antagonist and the leader of the Fire Nation. And, you know, I have not seen Avatar in its entirety in a number of years. But from what I recall about the character, I think uh, what I've been exposed to with Daniel Day Kim, uh, he lends the the gravitas and the pedigree that's required for a large looming character like that. So I, I think the show benefits uh, from coming off the heels of One Piece, which is what probably the best received mm-hmm. live action adaptation Netflix has done so far. So I know people are really excited for this one and it looks like it's going to, uh, to be a good one. Rebuttal. It feels okay. like the idea we always hear when there's like a new video game movie that does well where people are like, Hey, we got one, one, we got, that's a, the streak of one. There's one good video game movie. And then there's like, everyone's like, maybe it's time. Maybe it's going to be the golden age of remake, you know, of live action remakes of video games. And then inevitably the next one fails and the next one and the next one. And it's kind of like, when is it going to be? It's time. You know, um, (laughs) I kind of feel that way, but again, like, um, like you said, One Piece did really well. My, my, I know that I had a, heard a lot of people watching it. I watched parts of it. Uh, yeah. My niece was watching it, so I caught a lot of it. Um, all right. Up next, the highly anticipated Spider-Man 2 game for the PlayStation 5 has become the fastest-selling PlayStation game over a single-day period. On its first day of release last weekend, the game sold 2.5 million copies uh, in its first 24 hours. And if I'm not mistaken, that's well over $100 million, right? Um, uh, it's at least 175 million if they're like you know charging 70 dollars a pop. Yeah, I think they're. Uh, yeah. Are they 70 dollars a, a pop? I know it was at yeah, least they are now 60 or 60. Yeah, so yeah. PS5. It's only for the PS5, so it's going to be that higher oh, uh, MSRP. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Has anybody played it yet? I haven't played number two yet. No. no. Yeah, I played the original one, but I have not played two. Gotcha. Yeah. I have. I guess I'll say Matt then, and I will say, even though we've all talked, all three of us. Uh, Haley has sat quietly. Uh, I'm uh, just light, here light. so I don't get fined right now. <laughs> I have set aside all of tomorrow just to play this game. Nice. Uh, I've decided to try to take Wednesdays off because I work so much and do so many podcasts throughout the week, and then I work gigs on the weekend. I've decided Wednesday is going to be kind of my weekend day where I like, don't don't have anything scheduled. It's not like I won't do anything, but I'm not scheduling any for Wednesdays. And so... I'm planning to buy this tonight, have it downloaded, so when I wake up in the morning, I can just like play Spider-Man 2, and very excited about that. And, and you're still going to stream to Twitch, so it really won't be like you're not working. You're still going to be making content. <laughs> I don't know. I've thought about it. I really want to, but like, I haven't figured out a, I don't know. I haven't figured out a good way to stream to Twitch, uh, and it, this is a technical issue. It's not really related to the content. I, I haven't had a good time streaming to Twitch, because I can't get the refresh rates and the things working mm-hmm. right, and the, like when I send it to my a second screen for some reason the second screen doesn't work properly and so i have to like gotcha. i don't know i have to play through my computer and then the the feel is off it's it's a whole thing uh real quickly before we move on though i did want to say not to take anything away from my boy spidey because i love my boy spidey and i love 
that first Insomniac game, and I'm excited to play the second game. But uh, I do want to just add like a little bit of an asterisk because I read these headlines too, and it was like Spider-Man Two for PS5 is the fastest selling game for PlayStation, and it's okay. It's PlayStation Studios actually. So like PlayStation Studios put out God of War Ragnarok, they put out The Last of Us Part Two. So uh, you know when the dust settles and we get this final number, there may be an asterisk next to that. But uh, again, like we said at the beginning, in, in the first 24 hours, it hauled in at least 175 million dollars. So certainly a success. I'm sure we'll see more Spider-Man, you know, full games and spinoffs and expansions uh, down the road here. Absolutely. Up next, Netflix revealed a first look at Squid Game, The Challenge. It's upcoming reality competition series based on the first season of the blockbuster Korean dystopian drama series Squid Game, which has been billed as the biggest competition ever. In The Challenge, 456 players from around the world play a series of games inspired by Squid Game for a prize of $4.56 million. Scotty, where do I sign up? I want to do this. <laughs> that, was, that was my initial reaction. Watching this trailer, I kind of had a similar like, reaction that I do when I, have, when I watch stuff like Fallout, or not, not Fallout, Wipeout. Wipeout mm-hmm. and like... Uh, any of those shows that came on when we were kids, like Double Dare or whatever, it's like, I want to do it. I want to do it. Mm-hmm. But then I read the story a little bit more, and they talked about, like, the grueling experience these people had, <laughs> especially, like, during the the red light, green light sequence with the giant robotic doll. And they said people were standing out in the cold for, like, hours so long that, like, they they couldn't move their feet afterwards. And uh, so, they, you know, they were there were some potential lawsuits in the making. But then Netflix came out and said, yeah, it was cold, but people were prepared for that. And any, you know, report of injury is, is being exaggerated here. But um, all that being said, as far as the trailer goes, I'm pretty impressed with how well they were able to capture the aesthetic and the feel of, of Squid Game. And I think this is going to be a cool entry into that world. It's interesting that we're going to get this before we ever get like a second season of the the scripted drama version of squid game were you the kid watching legends of the hidden temple like screaming at the kids like you're not putting the monkey together right put put me on legends of the hidden temple right now i will be on the green monkeys omec i got you temple guards i'm gonna punch you in the face if you scare me (laughs) i love that stuff man i I love that i love that that game show specifically um did we get to do a, an escape room together when we were together, Jay Scotty? We did. I thought so. In Nashville, right? We did yes, one. Yes, sir. Yeah. I've done a lot of them, but I love them every time. <laughs> yeah, you were definitely the most valuable member of our team. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, I always get in those things, and they're like, have anyone done any of these before? And everyone's like, oh, no, no. And anyone done them before? I, I've done them before. Well, how many have I've you dabbled. done? I've <laughs> done like 60. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> they're like, oh, and then we fail, and I feel terrible. Um, okay. <laughs> Up next, Prime Video has announced that April 12th, 2024 will be the release date for its upcoming post-apocalyptic drama series, Fallout, adapted from the popular video game franchise of the same name. The series will take place in Los Angeles and will be canonical to the video games. Scotty? Uh, one thing that's not mentioned in this blurb is that it's starring Walton Goggins, and I am a oh. fan of the Fallout video games. Fallout 4 is probably the one that I put the most time into, uh, but yeah, Walton Goggins' involvement is the thing that excites me 
more than anything else about this series. He's a wonderful performer, giving him the chance to be a lead. I think his sensibilities are perfect for the world of Fallout, where, as we've seen in many depictions of post-apocalyptic worlds, you know, the mutation and the mutants and the nuclear fallout are threats of their own, but often the biggest threat are the remaining survivors in humanity itself. So I think he'll play wonderfully in that world and, and probably play kind of an unsavory, duplicitous character that he does so well. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to get in on this one too. I, uh, I've i also played the Fallout games, and I think even if you've never played them, I think the world of Fallout is going to be really cool uh, on, on a streaming show. Uh, it's a really rich world. It's really interesting. It's like got cool stories. So uh, I think even if you aren't into that franchise, there's really no barrier to entry. I think you can jump right in and watch that and, and enjoy it. Um, but I, I think it's also worth noting like prime videos kind of quietly been stacking some big IPs here. You know, they they're doing their Lord of the Rings show, which is obviously a huge IP. They've got this fallout as a, that they've been trying to crack the code of how do we get fallout into a movie or a series for, for years since it came out. And it's been a franchise that's been going on for a long time. Uh, so for Amazon to bring that to the screen, like uh, with this and then the boys. And I mean, it's, it's quietly kind of built itself into a really, really good streaming service with some really good mm-hmm. content on there. All right. Last up, Paramount and Skydance have pushed back Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2 to May 23rd, 2025, from its previous date of June 28th, 2024. The film is also going to get a new name. Haley, not only did I not have anything to say about all of that other stuff, <laughs> they're doing this to me now. <laughs> <laughs> and I get it. You want Simon Pegg doing the interviews that are on YouTube because he's hilarious. And I want them too because I spent a lot of time watching them when we covered Dead Reckoning Part 1 for Avengers earlier this year. So this is such a bummer. But like we talked about at the top of the show with uh, Deadpool 3, more to come. Well, tiny but. I always think it's weird when a movie comes out and it's named something like Part 1 and then they change the name. Yeah, it's, it's so like... I know that probably when they release it on DVD or whatever, it'll probably get changed to just Dead Reckoning on like streaming mm-hmm. services and stuff. But it'll always be like it's 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 like the funny thing. Um, what's that movie? I'm trying to think of a good example. But there there are some movies that just like the numbering system never made sense. You know, like the just uh, numbers are kind of weird and like different places and. My mind went to to Star Wars when Return of the Jedi was coming out. They originally marketed as Revenge of the Jedi. So there are posters out there that say Revenge of the Jedi that go for a pretty mm. penny. So you had me thinking, I got a, a little limited poster from AMC when I went to go see Dead Reckoning Part 1. So I'm wondering, is that going to be one of those things that always lives in infamy? infamy? Yeah. Be valuable? I mean, or? <laughs> and I'm not sad that they're going to change it because I think, Scotty, I texted you like after we'd recorded for Bingers and I was like, I didn't even know what Dead Reckoning was. Like, I True. had to look it up, and they didn't True. even explain it in the show. It's like a mm. nautical term that yeah. if you know it, you know it, but Wikipedia had to tell me what it was. <laughs> right. Yeah, that is weird that they didn't talk about it in the movie. And, yeah, just any – I think it I, – we, we, I complained about it while we were doing Bingers. It's just like the movie was called Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. It's just too long. It just <laughs> it's so long. It, I, I understand the kind of, like – appeal of making a movie it's fine like it, it, it gives the last two movies this lar- larger scope and shows that they're connected that's pretty cool but like it just seemed it just seemed like a bad naming convention <laughs> all right guys well that is the show 
Let's see where they can find you online. Haley Hobbs. You can find me at Source Pages. We are going to be reading some comics as primers for the Marvels coming up soon. So check us out for some more character work on that movie. Sweet, sweet. Check out Source Pages. And Jay Sisson. Yeah, you can find me at Commute the Podcast, where me and my co-host Dave cover three interesting topics in 20 minutes. Uh, Perfect uh, bite-sized bit of information on your way to work in the morning. And Jay Scotty St. Clair. Animation Deliberations, where you can find me, and that's the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. So Animation Deliberation, wherever you get your podcast, and look forward to Invincible Season 2 just around the corner, November 3rd. Ooh, so yeah. soon, so soon. Mm-hmm. Right as, uh, isn't that also Prime Video? That's when the boys end, or Gen yeah, Z yeah. ends. So yeah, Gen it is Z on Prime. End, yeah. Right, those are such good uh, kind of sister shows, uh, mm-hmm. Invincible and the boys. So I wonder if the boys will start shortly after uh, <laughs> the Invincible ends. Mm-hmm. I don't know when that's slated to come out. Um, but hanging on to that depraved superhero audience. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just a reminder. It is, uh, we, we, we mentioned it up top, but we are doing our review contest. It's really more than that. You can win. You have the possibility of winning three Loki steelbooks. You can go review us on Spotify or iTunes and send us a screenshot to multiversenewscast at gmail.com. Or you can post on social media and uh, send us a screenshot. Post on social media about the show. Tell people what you like about it. Share the show. Tag us, all those good things. Send a th- throw a link in there, whatever you can do. Let people know about the show, and then you can join our Patreon. We already have a few patrons. Thank you so much for joining. Um, it is going to be uh, Patreon.com/slash Multiverse Newscast. So all that stuff. If you have any questions, go to StrandedPanda.com and click on Multiverse News, and it has the uh, description of how to do everything right there on that. So uh, please do that. We would love it. It's the last week. So, and right now, I think we have three patrons. So, if you join the Patreon, I think we got one more. I think we're oh, do we? Now. We, have four, we have four. Yeah. The competition is is mounting. But uh, <laughs> if you go, if you if you enjoy the show, we do put a lot of work into it. So, if you join the Patreon, it really would help us out, and um, it would uh, you'd have a pretty good likelihood. Like the the chances are pretty good of winning a Loki Steelbook. So, please do that. Uh, we love you guys very much. Peace. You stay a classy multiverse.